0: So yeah, we're gonna see some stuff. Pink oh, Princess <laughs> Crown. That's a teddy bear. So here we are. So here we are, here we on are. land.
1: I can imagine my mom's gonna listen to it at least a million times. So it's it's so great. It's going to be
0: Should good. we say hi to your mom? Huh? Oh, What's mom. your mom's name?
1: okay But you call him mom. I call him mom, yeah. I don't call her Kath. That'd be weird,
0: wouldn't it? cat Kath? Yeah, Kathleen. Oh. Hello, Kathleen. <laughs> Just sitting here with your son right now. Big smile on his face. So. Welcome, Mr. Glenn Kisak. That's right. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your role with the Ocean Cleanup, and you have a unique uh, sort of arrangement.
1: My name is Glenn Kisak. I'm the operations manager within the Ocean team. A man of many job titles, actually, as we might come to as we explore a little bit. Um, My background is with our partners at uh, Maersk. So I am previously a navigation officer with Maersk Supply Service. And in, I guess it must be September 2019 now, there was an opportunity, came, uh, a letter came out to all the officers in the fleet of MERS Supply Service. Would anybody like to go and spend a few years, uh, one to two years in the office at the Ocean Cleanup and give some kind of marine background and expertise to, uh, to uh, the partners of MERS, who are the Ocean Cleanup still? Of course, my hand shut up pretty quickly for that. So I've been here since then with the Oceans team uh, only. Yeah, working primarily in, well, operations, yeah, operations manager now. I, I guess what's a little bit special and would be nice to talk about is also the offshore stuff, so the, the operations manager role is is in the office uh, primarily, but uh, trip two of the system to uh, test campaign, yeah, I was offshore there as well, uh, actually representing the ocean cleanup, I guess, specifically on that trip. So um, we call it senior offshore representative.
0: It's kind of the Ocean Cleanup's manager on board the ship, let's say. What is that transition like for you? What, or what has this transition been like for you? You come from Maersk, which is more of a, what would you call it, structured, pretty... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. you're jumping into a... Uh, place like the ocean cleanup yeah so
1: yeah first of all well there's two sides to it so first of all i never worked in an office before so this was a a, a step ashore after i don't know seven eight years working at sea so that in itself is a big jump to make but also jumping from mersk which as you say is like a very structured large multinational um into uh, how can we say this nicely hey it's 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 your (laughs) job you work from there (laughs) (laughs) it's a fast moving organization here at the ocean cleanup unstructured is probably a little bit unfair, but we do make it up as we go along to a certain extent, right? So we, we, the, the structures are forming as we go, right? And we have to form them ourselves. So, yeah, you go from an environment where, where everything is, is kind of laid out for you in terms of the way that you should be working. You have to work to an environment where you, you make it up as you go along to a certain extent. And th- that was a huge change. To be honest, quite an exciting change, uh, I must say. Um, fantastic to, to step into that kind of environment.
0: And there's definitely value in both sides you take the maersk philosophy and the maersk way which is very you know seasoned and these guys you guys have been offshore you run massive ships all the time you've been doing this for how many years so it comes with a little bit more i don't want to say stiffness but it comes with a little bit more rules regulations this because you know what you're doing you've you've had this experience and then when you come here do you find that that they both kind of maybe help each other like are there things that you pick up on on the ocean cleanup that you can now that you report back to mares and say yeah you know maybe we do this this way but there's some value in looking at it this way
1: yeah you take a little bit from both sides for sure right so i mean you you went offshore yourself right for trips Mm -hmm. one and two of the the system two mission so you've been out there in that environment, and you're a long way from land. You know, if, if anything were to go wrong in that environment, it's it's, it's serious business, right? If you if you're that far away, so th- things like the fact that we treat safety as a non-negotiable first priority for everything, right? So everything is ten times more cautious on a ship than it would be, you know, if you didn't have if if you weren't without that safety net of being able to to access the shore. So a lot of that kind of rigid proceed well a lot of that rigidity in, in how you have to work and that that structure of how you have to work comes from just working for a big organization right you you need to kind of put those systems in place and, and some of it comes from working on ships and being in that remote environment and then you also need to to have a, a controlled and kind of cautious way of working so that that exists for a good reason um i guess there's a lot of reflection at the minute of where the ocean cleanup is as an organization because For me, we're at a really exciting tipping point where we've just come from a kind of proof of concept stage. We're out there now, we're now in operation, running where previously we've been testing and now we're out there. You know, we're out there full time now and we're testing and we're really looking at scaling the organization now. So it's a case of, you know, what we've had to do to get the ocean cleanup off the ground is really like uh, flying by the seat of our pants a little bit sometimes, right? So, and, and really making it up as we go along. And now if we talk about scaling the organization, it's, it's you know, the, a certain bit of putting structures in place is gonna be a little bit inevitable as we, as we grow and we turn it into like a big thing. So you have to kind of cherry pick the bits that are interesting and the bits that are useful um, from that big corporation kind of style of working, which bits of structure are useful, which bits are gonna help us and what's gonna add value, um, and try and kind of uh, disregard maybe some of the, the bureaucracy that goes with very, very large organizations if we don't need it. it it's, it's quite exciting actually the opportunity to do that because you can you can take the best bits, right? And you, you can you can pick the bits that work for you. And, and it does go a little bit the other way as well. So we have a great project management team at MSS that we work with. And they are obviously used to working in that quite structured environment Uh, a lot of the work they do is is with energy companies they work in offshore wind and they also work in in oil and gas and those companies have very fixed ways of working and it's actually quite strange for them to work with the ocean cleanup where where they have a certain amount of freedom to choose how they work but we can from the ocean cleanup side we can we can send a little bit of that freedom to them and, and just be clear that we can work out the best way that works for everybody we know we don't need to stick within a certain box um so yeah a little bit comes from both sides
0: and i know over the course of the last month since you've been back you said the word reflect you you've done a lot of that on the technical side and with this becoming a more stable operation yeah. do you also do that personally and sort of look back at what it was that you were a part of on the six weeks that you were out there like, I know we talked about it when we were on the back deck and when you're in the moment, you're like, wow, this is incredible. We're taking this much trash out. You're feeling the trash as it yeah. hits the deck and so you are in this moment of the emotion and everything but when you're months out, how do you look back at it now? How do you look back at the at the the offloads, and the whole putting it out there, and the chaos that, that it could be at times out in the middle of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch?
1: Yeah, I don't think I did have an opportunity to to reflect while I was there. I mean, you're there to kind of tell the story a little bit, right? So you're constantly looking at how people are feeling and reacting about it. I was there from a, a kind of an operational role and a management role, I guess. So so my, my job, as soon as the system is out of the wall, we're not catching plastic anymore, right? So as soon as it comes on the deck and we're doing that extraction, I'm thinking, how are we going to get that back in the water and catching plastic again as quickly as possible, basically. So that's my priority. So everything I'm thinking and looking at is geared around kind of efficiency and getting back to it.
0: And boy, does it show. You're like an athlete, man. Your eyes are everywhere. You're like a quarterback. Like you're seeing this, you're seeing that. You're over here, bouncing here. Is this who you are as a person? Are you like this away from working as well?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I do clearly have some kind of instinct to organise a little bit. I mean, that must be a little bit who I am. Yeah, it does hit me a little bit more when I'm there. I could say I could say I was extremely organised, and my girlfriend's going to be listening to this and shaking her head in disbelief, isn't she? So, this is the so, person I'd like to talk to. Yeah. Okay. But get I mean, her on the line. <laughs> once you're there i mean that the clock is ticking as soon as you step on board right so when when you decide to mobilize an offshore operation that is a very serious undertaking Let, let's not kid ourselves about that there's a lot of people involved there's big assets involved there's a lot of money involved right as soon as we go out there and and as i see we have a, a responsibility to everybody who's given us that platform to go out there that we're going to use that time effectively and efficiently and that goes from Major sponsors like uh, like Merck and major partners, down to everyone who's who's given five or ten dollars out of their paycheck on a monthly basis, or, or as a one-off basis, or they've donated from their birthday pie that they had. That they raised donations, so you need to be able to look all of those people in the eye when you come off and say we did everything we could, you know, to to use what you gave us responsibly. So so that's where it comes from and as you know anything that is not catching plastic and is is not getting out there as quickly as possible and as safely as possible to catch plastic you know that that's the priority all the time so I mean we talked about reflection right so so that pressure kind of starts to build up or, or that focus I guess starts to build up as soon as you start to go to the ship and it was really actually only on the on the way back that I started to to reflect because my head was just in that zone the whole time we were out there I remember sitting on the plane on the way back and there was a moment after we took off and there was like a a very obvious moment where it kind of hit me where I kind of sank back in the chair a little bit and that was the first time I was able to kind of think about it a little bit eh? and breathe out a little bit and say wow that that was actually that was pretty cool
0: (laughs) yeah Well, to people that are listening at home, that are the ones donating the $5 and the ones that are wondering, we couldn't have a better person in charge, I really do hand it to you because I did watch you like a hawk, and you were amazing to watch out there, getting everything done on every level of it. It was very cool to watch. But you said that you did have moments of reflecting on the plane. When you think about that, what what were the moments? What were the moments that stood out to you? I I have to imagine, because like you said, your perspective of it is a lot different, so... To me, the obvious moments are the visual moments. Yours might be completely different. It might be it might be that MOC that went through or this like I'm saying it right, MOC right you are yeah yeah I yeah, management of change this was a, this was burnt into my brain every day, all the time. Yeah. I remember signing my life away a couple times on these yeah, going yeah. on boats. What does your brain work like that? Like
1: Yeah, the, the moments are the ones that I look back with with enjoyment and certainly like the big extractions. And the, what you just said, is it, it triggered me a couple of seconds ago when you said you feel it coming through the deck. So when we dumped, the, you know, the biggest extraction we did was a little bit over nine tons. And it's a steel deck. And, and physically feeling that plastic hitting the deck and vibrating upwards through your feet is like an incredible feeling, right? So, yeah, moments like that are enjoyable like the reflection i guess one of the one of the reasons i guess i was able to be effective offshore is because i've been involved in the design of system two right from the beginning so sitting together with the you know manon who designed the retention system or, or worked with our partners to design the retention system and you know with the hydrodynamic engineers and all these you know smart people who, who designed this system that was a long road in itself and they gave it absolutely everything, and we gave it everything as a team to get it out there. We really wanted to be out there in the summer to get testing in the in the relatively nice weather in the summer. So that was a huge, huge push, and and that went right up until the moment. That, you know, there's no moment to be right to, up until the second when you mobilize the ships and you go out there. So that's, you know, it was six weeks offshore. The, the trip was six weeks, but that was the culmination of, like, months and months of really intense, really hard work from a whole big group of people who made that happen and just being able to like sit back and say wow you know wow we did it you know because like i guess if people are listening at home or if they see the update videos of course you see what's going on in the in the great pacific garbage patch but you you probably less common that people get to have a glimpse behind the scenes and it's just hours and hours of of uh, crunching numbers and design iterations and operational reviews and all that stuff that goes into it beforehand and that you know just just seeing that in real life and just saying yeah wow, we did it yeah and it worked and now it's happening yeah
0: and then you take your moment on the plane and then that plane lands and then we go forward yeah it doesn't stop man no
1: <laughs> no and it's very much the intention that, that it doesn't stop at all now I mean now we're out there so we, we did a testing phase that the all of that work that we put in gave us a, a obviously a high degree of confidence that system 2 was going to work otherwise we wouldn't have gone out there in the first place so we were confident that it was going to work and it was you know more of a kind of verification that it worked or how well it worked rather than rather than a a, a test of if it worked or not uh and it did and that gave us the confidence to say well okay let's let's keep it there so we initially planned the test campaign which was two trips 12 weeks uh, in the gpgp and and when we started to see the results come in it was like yeah this is exciting and there's really no reason to stop here it's working well enough that we can just push the button and keep going so yeah and 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 that's it right and now we just go into this cycle and it it comes every six weeks so in the operational team there's there's, there's me and the guys who sit there and we're just in this six-week cycle now and it just now the train's rolling, which is exciting in itself, right? The whole thing's just got this momentum now, and it just—it's just, just going to go upwards from here.
0: And, and what is the relationship like now with Maersk? Now that you, now that it's in operations, yeah. and what is the—is it smoother now? Ocean cleanup, Maersk. I don't mean that's not smooth. I mean like, is this an ongoing? Are we in a good cycle now? With
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's onwards and upwards. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it just grows all the time. Every time we, we revisit it, there's a couple of sides to it. So. As with any organization, what, what the Ocean Cleanup wants to do is is focus on on what what we do well here, right? So there's certain things that we want to do and then there's certain things that we don't want to do because it's always going to be a distraction from, from what we do do well. So I, I like to talk about the, the partnership as, as being like extremely complementary because I think it is. So like the, the, the understanding of the problem is, is, is like the Ocean Cleanup's core knowledge, right? That's what we do. We understand the problem better than anyone else on the planet the data the research the science behind it the you know the computational modeling of where the plastic's going to be within the patch at any moment in time that's like the core knowledge that the ocean cleaner has and you cannot solve the problem without that piece of the puzzle the day-to-day management of offshore operations in a remote location and everything that goes with that with having ships out there is what you know most supply service immersed to day in day out for years and years and years with hundreds of vessels all over the world right so they are the experts on how that works and and you know you cannot solve the problem of the great pacific garbage patch without those two pieces and you have two part two halves of the partnership that are each subject matter experts uh, and you put them together and that you know that's that's why it works and yeah, so increasingly, like, the, the day-to-day operations are, are managed by Merce Supply Service. And, and then, obviously, we're having those exciting conversations now about how do we scale from where we are now and what is that kind of tipping point we're at as an organization. And, and w- what got us to here is not what's going to get us there, let's say. That's that's kind of a recurring theme. So planning out that next phase of the operations is, is something that we now do increasingly with Merck And Merck give logistics support, but they also give, like, you know that whole supply chain design because the, the plastic it doesn't just come out and goes on the ship right in the end It ends up at a recycler so that whole supply chain from The moment it's in the ocean to the moment. It's at the recycler That all needs to be planned and optimized and that that's a process that we go through with mask as well and we, and we get amazing support from their special project logistics division in doing that.
0: Yeah What's the most important thing in your brain with this whole project? What's the thing when you're laying in bed at night and your brain, you're winding the brain down, there's still one thing that's always ticking. What's the one topic that you put the most energy into with this project? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I know there's something, man. I, I see it in your face. Every time I see you, there's like, there's something that is always bouncing around up in that skull. What, what is the biggest thing that you think about?
1: Well, what, what we're doing at the minute is trying to judge that next step correctly so we're at the moment now we're in full operation with two vessels now there's going to need to be additional vessels that go out and as big a step as it was when we put two vessels out there it's if if anything even bigger when we start to expand that the operation so how to do that the best way is is the puzzle because there's many ways you can do it right you can just take another another two vessels and throw them out there and just do the same thing twice over but the, the more you expand the operation, the more complex it becomes, the more stakeholders are involved. The, the more you need to look for those little optimizations to, to, to make sure that we continue to be responsible um, you know, with, with, with what we're given in terms of resources. That is just a very complex puzzle. And it, yeah, it's just turning, <laughs> turning around there all the time.
0: But when you do turn it off and you stop thinking about it, I got to imagine when you step away for a weekend or whatever. What are you doing as a hobby? What does Glenn do? What do you do when you're not thinking about work, when you're not out in the middle of the ocean, when you're not in meetings?
1: Yeah, well, well, I do it when I, when I go away the weekend, but then I also do it, I guess, periodically through the day sometimes. Music is my thing. Um, yeah, e- either listening, like listening is good, but playing is even better, I would say. And, and that is a completely different mind space from planning operation that's the two sides of the brain right one one is like very much like a logical planning uh side of the brain and then the other one is more sort of creative flow side of the brain and and if you go from one to the other then it acts like a kind of reset for the other side a little mm-hmm. bit i think so yeah i, I can go and uh, pick up a guitar or, or turn on a synthesizer or something like that and just give it like five ten minutes with that and it's just like switching the other side off and on
0: again and then you can go back so who's your musical inspiration? What bands did you grow up listening to?
1: Uh, what did I grow up with? Well, I was, I was kind of lucky to, to start listening to music in the early 2000s and playing guitar so that you gravitate towards guitar bands and stuff, of course. And that was just an incredible time. Eh? So, so that, that was a moment where guitar music was enjoying a kind of moment in the spotlight. And then you had all this indie rock coming from the u.s like the strokes and stuff like that but then there was a big movement in the uk with the the, i don't know the libertines and then later on the arctic monkeys and stuff like that so that was very much like what was going on when i was around at the time and then it's quite nice to be a certain age at that time where you're just discovering older music as well because it just comes at you in like one enormous wave because there's these incredible bands that are there at the time but you also have a chance to Find out that actually Led Zeppelin exists or something like that, right? And that's news to you at this time yeah. <laughs> when you're a certain age. And it just hits you like this big title with. Incredible.
0: It's so funny hearing you say you were in the UK and you were you were having this invasion of bands like The Strokes and people coming from the States. Because I was in the States and we were talking about all the bands that were coming from the UK at the yeah. time. like. Coldplay, Star Sailor, Stereophonics, there was this this wave of like the next British invasion felt like every time I was going to Austin for South by Southwest, it was like, British stage, British bands, British this and, and to me, that was amazing stuff that was that was crossing over at that time period. So it's funny to hear the perspective from from the UK. How did you get started doing this? Because you've been going offshore for most of your career, right? How did this happen?
1: Yeah, there's, there's no there's no logical answer to that, really, and that's kind of a recurring theme in, in my life or career. Yeah, it just kind of jumped at me one day. I don't know. Some people have these plans, don't they? And, and a lot of people, when you go to sea and you train as an officer, so you go to a college and there's like an officer's college, right, and everyone there. And a lot of people have this kind of story where they have someone in the family who's been at sea or, yeah usually a parent or something like that or there's some kind of link to a maritime history or something like that and there's absolutely nothing for me at all. I guess there was a friend working on cruise ships I guess at the time so he was, I was travelling a lot with him and and he had this kind of working pattern where he was, we would go travelling for like quite an intense period okay so that was like a few months. And then he would, that was his leave period. So then he would come back and he would go onto these cruise ships and then we would kind of repeat the cycle again. So I i became aware of this like working rotation that you could do where it was like, okay, you can work really intensely for a short period of time and then you can just go explore for a certain period of time as well. And it's like, wow, that, that sounds interesting. So I started to look into maritime careers as a result of that, and then picked up on the kind of cadetship schemes the companies like Merck run so I got into their cadet program and then qualified as an officer after that so and how many times have you been offshore Ooh. 30 35 40 something like that yeah
0: and it's a completely different type of lifestyle you, you don't realize it until you do it like for me I you know you have this perception of what it is going to be like and then when you're actually doing it it's completely different what was your perception that it was going to feel more like a cruise ship and like we're going to be out there and like floating around and we're going to pick up some truck. no I, it was more like the thing that that when i do the reflecting back and i look back at it's the it is the safety part of it it is the you're not as aware of it before it's when you're out there in the middle and you realize it took you six days to get there and you realize if something happens it's going to take you six days to come back That's the part, I think, that was my light bulb moment. It puts a lot in perspective, man, when you're in the middle and and you're flying a drone and you see how tiny that boat is. Like you said, it's a massive operation. When you see it in Victoria and you see these two boats next to each other and you have this perspective of like there's a bus or a truck or something parked next to it, you're like, holy shit, this is massive. Yeah. But then you go to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and you fly a drone as high as you can take it and you realize we are alone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the scale is even bigger with, with, you know, of course. Container ships, and so I, I started training on container ships, and, and the, the scale of those is that they're like buildings, right? You stand next to them, and you know it's absolutely awe-inspiring the the scale of that, you know. But exactly the same thing happens when you go into the most remote parts of the world. Is is this thing which is I don't know, fifty-five meters high, three hundred meters long, weighs a hundred thousand tons, uh, and then you you know, once you're out there, it's also dwarfed by the enormous scale of the ocean, right? And it, it's exactly the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. It's a strange place to be.
0: And Mares does a heck of a job also with the way you live out there. That was something I also was sort of more curious about going into it, like the accommodations, the food. That's one of the things that really stands out to me too, that that I really hand it to Mares. They pick these chefs that are like Michelin star chefs making dinners out there at times, and you're just like... Wow, this kind of is like a cruise. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's if anything, maybe the most important thing on board eh, is that for, for morale. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it makes sense. They want to feed this crew well, because I believe the last thing you want are 24 guys out in the middle of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch eating horrible food.
1: You would think it got a bit more complicated than that, but if you can keep people well fed, then it's amazing how happy and effective the opera- operation can be, right? Yeah,
0: definitely. What about the first time you saw Jenny? Was it what you th- was that what you expected?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I was involved in that development process, like I said. So, I'd, like, before I saw it in real life, I've spent every day for, you know, months looking at pictures of what it's going <laughs> to look like. So, yeah, from the ship. I I would would guess it it kind of looked more or less like the many, many times we've drawn and sketched it out and looked at it in in all our different presentations and designs and stuff. So, yeah, from the ship, what was, I guess, nice to me is when you get in the little workboat and then you go in to take a close look. And that is actually when the scale really hit me, when you're in the middle of the system, right? And then you lose your perspective a little bit, I think, of where you are a little bit. So you're there in a huge swell in the Pacific sometimes. So... The swell remains safe to work in long after the the little choppy waves would would mean it wasn't possible to go out in the boat. So sometimes you can be out in a big swell, and sometimes the ships disappear behind mm-hmm. this huge swell. So the whole the whole scale of everything is enormous, and system two is huge. And when you're down one meter above the water in this work boat, in between the wings, and, and then you look out and it seems to surround you almost. Just the you know the scale of it around you,
0: and that that that's when you sort of realize the magnitude of what it is yeah and we were out there a few times together doing tests and and little experiments of throwing plastic out there with tags on it and watching it go into the system yeah what was that aspect of it like for you is i, I got to imagine that's that's got to be fairly new i can't think you're doing this on a lot of the past trips you've taken out to to see
1: no and that's that's the big difference of, of what we've done normally and any project that i've been involved with with most supply services is very well uh, advanced before the moment when the ships become involved so I, I can't think of any other example where we've been like testing with the ships out there that is very much uncharted territory for everybody so being out there conducting those tests and reacting to them saying what are the results what do we need to do tomorrow as a result of what we've seen today that was always very dynamic and new for everybody keeps it fresh and very exciting I must say Absolutely. gives you something to look forward to every morning. (laughs) Absolutely. What could go wrong today? (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. So you get to experience both worlds, more so than anybody else, really. When you're here in this building at the Ocean Cleanup headquarters in Rotterdam, and you're talking to the engineers or you're talking to the operations guys, there's a vibe that's here, as we talked about, at the Ocean Cleanup. When you talk to people at Maersk, what is the vibe like there like especially now that they're part of this and this thing is working and we're out there all the time? I have to imagine there's got to be a sense of excitement and a sense of of ownership that they have that is also a pretty cool feeling to experience.
1: Yeah, I think it is exciting for everyone. Everyone who touches the project is really excited by it and can see that the, the kind of impact that it has. And and I think we're aware because you know the great work that you guys do as a communications team in telling the story of what that we do. You you speak to people who've and 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 don't get me wrong. Most supply service is involved in all kinds of incredible projects in, in you know in remote parts of the world and and doing amazing work. And the engineering that goes on offshore these days is, is mind boggling by itself. But the people who plan that day to it, day, it's not often that their kids ask them about it a little bit, you know. So, so they you know they're towing out things that weigh hundreds of thousands of tons and building them, you know, the ships that land on the beach or stand up out of the water. These are amazing things. But when your your kid comes home from school and says, like, hey, I heard you're involved in this like amazing thing. We would we were learning about that in school today because they've been learning about the Ocean Cleanup Project. Everybody gets a little buzz out of that, and they, they tell us about that, right? They, they, they kind of light up a little bit when, when something like that happens. So it is a special project, and it is different to all those other things.
0: Yeah, I heard that so many times when I was out there. Like I would have guys come up to me and be like, I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. Nobody has ever sent me an email saying, I saw this picture, and I saw what you're doing, and it's so exciting, and it's so cool. He's like everybody that would see that would see these drone shots and see this thing dumping the trash. What does it say about the importance of what we're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean the fact that it captures people's attention. Yeah, is, is it's one of those problems that people see, you know, plastic, and it, people just have this instinctive reaction like that is wrong. Like we need to do something about that, right? So. That is manifested in that reaction when people see a solution in progress and, and that is an equally strong reaction that they say Wow, it's fantastic that people are doing something about this. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did, did you find yourself having this reaction when you were out there? Did you find when you were on the workboat and you're in this beautiful blue water and all of a sudden you're seeing big pieces of plastic and ghost nets and did you get a little... Pissed?
1: well everyone seems to have this moment right that triggered them to be interested in in the project You know boy has the famous story of you know scuba diving in Greece and that was you know You see the plastic around you, so I haven't heard this you haven't heard the scuba diving story. No <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just so I, I have a similar moment so, so for me it was I, I Was on a ship when I was training actually and we came into the Mediterranean Sea and, and that was the first time I've seen massive quantities of trash plastic mostly in the water around the ship so i've seen it before i've sailed across the great pacific garbage patch before prior to working with the ocean cleanup but it was this moment in the mediterranean when i saw all this trash around me and i don't know who sees that and doesn't think we should do something about it you know it really really hits home when you see in high concentrations and yeah, exactly the same thing. Once we got out to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, it, it, it builds up. And, and for all the time that you spend on shore talking about you know, this is a serious problem and it needs to get solved, the moment you see it in real life, it becomes very, very visceral and very obvious and immediately reinforces <laughs> what's inside you to say, yeah, we need to do something about this.
0: Yeah, that's something I heard a lot out there as well was from different captains and different guys that would say, Three years ago I took this trip to through the Indian Ocean. And we when are you guys gonna go there? Because you gotta go here. You have to see this. You got so there's such a value in just the locations that Maersk is going already. And we're and the cool thing that a lot of people don't realize is that we're also starting to sort of capitalize on this a little bit by putting cameras on. Other ships and other types of vessels that are going into different parts tell me a little bit about this Because this is something also we weren't just out there with Jenny. We are also out there Mounting cameras onto the tender and the trader that are now going on many other vessels, right?
1: Yeah, so that's a, That's an exciting thing that we're gonna start and it, it again It goes back to the idea that we're you know, we're a research driven organization of the ocean cleanup data-driven science driven so understanding the problem is key to it so lots of amazing initiatives going on to, to help understand the problem and map out the distribution of plastic and the movement of plastic because even the patch itself moves seasonally so yeah the, the 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 cameras that we've are deploying and did deploy during the system 2 mission are a big part of that they they sit on the bridge wings of both of the vessels and they take photographs of, of the sea surface as we go that feeds into a Uh, an artificial intelligence program which spots the pieces of plastic this is just magic to me by the way this is way (laughs) above (laughs) me so that identifies the piece of plastic and and then from that we're able to derive um density maps basically And, and that is something which which in itself is a very sophisticated technology but it can be on any platform anywhere in the world so if we think about the the Access to the world's oceans that being in a partnership with MERS gives us that's a huge opportunity to understand the problem because those cameras Can now in theory be rolled out to all of those ships which are Day in day out going across the world's oceans and we can just generate this huge understanding of the problem
0: and that being said as we go forward and we start talking about system zero zero three and this thing is only going to get bigger and we're only going to start having more at what point are you going to see this and you're going to say, we are successfully ridding the world's oceans of plastic? Do you think that there will be this moment for you and you'll, or will you just continue going out offshore and being a part of this?
1: Well, the, the idea that we are doing it, I think when that first plastic hit the deck, when I saw it down, that was the moment for me where I was like, it's happening, you know, mm-hmm. so... And that was a moment I was looking forward to before, it, you know, it wasn't the biggest extraction that we did, that was like the third or fourth that we did, but just that first one uh, and you see the retention zone come out and come over the roller of the, of the, of the vessel and, and be emptied on the deck and it hits the deck and you're like, wow, now the ocean is a better place, right? That that plastic was in the ocean and now it's on the deck and it's happening. And that for me is the moment and we are doing it now, so yeah. As far
0: as I'm concerned, we're rolling. I agree. and And to be able to experience that moment with you was very cool i do remember the look on your face when this plastic was hitting i've got a great photograph of you with this and it's like because until you see it with your own eyes and you feel it yeah and you you smell it it is something that you just cannot a photograph does not do it justice but it but when you see the faces it helps a little bit yeah so yeah very cool man well thank you so much this has been a great great chat I was watching a lot of stuff you were doing out there, and it's very, very impressive. And and the partnership with Maersk, we wouldn't be doing this without them. Like, there's no way. Like, we are a small little organization in Rotterdam, and like you said earlier, you have to have something at that scale to do what we're doing. So, many thanks to to Maersk and all the partners that we work with, and and the people listening to this. Thank you. I mean, we also wouldn't be doing this. If, this is this is how we're able to do this. So. Everybody listening, thank you. Keep following us. Keep listening to us. Keep watching what's going to happen in the next the next months because it's only going to get more exciting. And Glenn's going offshore many, many more times. So keep watching him too. Have a good one. Thanks, man. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Hope it was painless. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs>